Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dandy Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Malaki, and the U.S. editor of Waters Technology. Happy to be here as always. So in looking at uh, kind of the bigger stories this week, Anthony and I noticed that uh, probably over the past month, maybe two months, uh, there have been kind of a, a few big merger acquisitions i think actually all acquisition stories not to mention our own at incisive media (laughs) true yeah our own um we had a bit of news as well as we were acquired Mm -hmm. um that happened so this is today's thursday that happened on monday morning Mm -hmm. um you know i you can't really speculate on anything because i don't really we don't really know anything but uh you can definitely uh expect the same strong content from us going forward i think um, only our email addresses will probably change uh in the near oh, term true. anyway I didn't even think about that i think so i don't know we'll, we'll, a lot of things need to be hammered out but uh, that'll we'll, be good we'll get to that that'll be good all the um all the uh annoying pr pitches that i've been getting for a while from ridiculous water companies and stuff maybe i'll be off their list for at least a little while for at least a little while yeah. i'll get off the radar <laughs> uh but uh but yeah more importantly to the news in the industry uh we've noticed so we essentially we we picked four um, mer- uh, four acquisition stories. Uh, the um, Faxet's uh, purchase of BySam Technologies, uh, Broadridge acquisition of Message Automation, Numerics acquisition of TFG Financial Systems, and TrueMid's uh, purchase of Electronify. Man, did you struggle through that? I, mean, I want to make sure that was I got like them all going right. through mud right there. <laughs> Jesus. So the first three kind of have a uh are in line with each other in that you in know a Anth- similar vein yeah, yeah anthony and i kind of talked about it. if you really want to break it down uh, um, an acquisition uh at the thirty thousand foot view comes down to two things either it's a bringing together of of the same parts or the same kind of you know basically very similar companies or it's a bigger company purchasing a smaller company that offers something that they don't or maybe that they don't do as well that kind of raises the level of their offering. Mm-hmm. Would you, you're kind of shaking your head, but would you say that's a fair, you know, a 30,000 yeah. foot view of, sure. of them? So that's the vein. The, uh, the, the latter of that is the vein of the, the first three acquisitions that we'll talk about. And we'll start off with Faxam's purchase of BySam Technologies. It was for $205.2 million dollars. Um, Unfortunately, we're, the day we're recording this is actually a day before my conversation with some of the folks at both these firms. They're actually on. Current. Now they know it's not Thursday anymore. Yeah. Damn. Well, <laughs> as we're recording, that's why I said as we're recording this, Tony. Uh, but uh, they um, they're on a quiet period right now before their earnings report. So they uh, were kind of weren't weren't looking to talk too much about this. But what we can kind of speculate from this is that uh, this is kind of trying to more round out really the fact set offering right tony yeah i would think that bysam has a, a a few different well um well thought of uh offerings but b1 specifically um it's uh it's a cross-asset solution for performance measurement um that should bleed in well with uh, FactSet, uh, with FactSet's uh, analytics solutions and the reporting solution, so I think that from from that regard, uh, that there's going to be a natural kind of meshing there. Yeah, I mean, I should mention that uh, both these firms are 
pretty well versed in our awards rankings for the waters rankings, which are voted on by the readers. By Sam was named the best performance measurement and attribution system. Facts that was named the best data analytics provider. Um, and then by Sam at the BST awards received the best buy side performance measurement and attribution product and best buy side risk management initiative over the last 12 months. And by Sam also received service to the industry award um, at the same event for consistency over the last 10 years of the BST awards. So definitely well respected yeah. in the industry. Um, but yeah, I think this is kind of a pure, you know, you have facts that, like we said, you have facts that you have the big vendor kind of recognizing, okay, we can add something specific in the portfolio performance. By Sam's got some space. heft to it. I mean, they're not, you know, this isn't like some small, I mean, they've been actually well, sure. making some acquisitions. So one thing I thought was uh, pretty interesting. So I spoke with, um, with uh, by Sam a little back, um, they bought uh, Fin Analytica. When was that? When was this? Uh, back in February, end of February. And uh, Bill Haney, uh, CEO by Sam, spoke with him, and he had a quote back then. And I thought, you know, kind of pressure now. But uh, when you look at, and this is so, this is um, Haney speaking. When you look at what a portfolio manager or an analyst can do in their desktop, whether it, that's Bloomberg, FactSet, or Thomson Reuters. So obviously, he was already kind of you know, he knew that maybe there was yeah. something there. Uh, they can run these analytics. When we talk about mid-office, what we mean is that you can scale the generation of these analytics very quickly in minutes across an enterprise uh, that has hundreds of portfolio managers globally, and it keeps on going on. Um, it's about that analytics piece, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Bloomberg and Thompson Reuters in a little bit uh, toward the end of our discussion. Great tease. Here. Great tease for later. But so I think that that's where they're going to really help to play into this in the performance and risk space um, as, you know, MIFID II takes on greater and greater importance, as other you know, regulations take on greater and greater importance. Um, that's where they're going to really come in. Um, I think for one of the things I thought was interesting, just like looking at Fin Analytica, you know, they go get bought by Bysam, but now and just a matter of feeling like a very respected yeah. company looking at risk uh, metrics and tail risk specifically, you know, now they're kind of uh, bouncing around lots of turmoil. But I think that one of the, the other big thing specifically to this deal and, and then very much so with numerics, I think that numerics and this deal are very, very intertwined, but um, you look at uh buy Sam and fin analytica um, back one, you had Axioma buying Concept One, Stat Pro buying Investor Analytics, uh, the famous one of Bloomberg and uh, Barclays Brace Point there. Uh, SSNC's made several acquisitions with DST, IBM, and Algorithmics. If you really want to go back, there have been so many. There's so many in the space, and there's still so much consolidation and people trying to figure out where can I create my end-to-end -end solution because people aren't as willing anymore to kind of go picking around best of breed. We want to kind of have one-stop shop. Um, seems to be a, a very similar uh, theme here. Yeah, so let's talk about it right now, then let's switch to that. Numerics uh, acquisition of TFG Financial Systems, undisclosed amount. Um, you know, this, I guess, is maybe a better representation of that ladder situation for the yeah. deal. Uh, TFG, not a big shop, 25 people on the entire team. Uh, they integrated the entire roster into numerics. Um, yeah. But, you know, as Steve O'Hanlon, you know, told told uh, Amelia David, who wrote the story on this a few weeks ago, uh, it plays, you know, the plan is to have this play a big part in the vendor's future. And, you know, the quote I think that's really telling of what kind of acquisition it is, he says, TFG plugs a hole within our vision of the future from a technology perspective. So while it might not be 
a massive piece it's an important piece you know as you kind of construct this bigger like you said that end-to-end uh platform that so many of these vendors now want to offer to firms mm-hmm. this is a big piece of that yeah go front front middle back i think for them uh in, in this specifically to this deal numerics has well has a presence on the buy side i, I would I'm not 100 percent sure. You'd have to ask uh, Steve O'Hanlon, obviously, about this, but I I want to say that they're somewhere around 25 percent, somewhere in there, is buy side. The rest is going to be sell side. So their sell side presence is much bigger, as far as I believe, with their OneView uh, platform, um, using that for trading and risk solutions, and specifically again around analytics, the need for trade and risk analytics. Um, TFG buy side you know so um they're going to be one view it's, it's going to become basically um as i understand it it'll the, the tfg piece of this will become um uh, their tfg complete will become a a, a a segment of the one view product specifically toward asset managers and the buy side so i think with this deal it's about client segment as much as it is about because one view is a very strong risk analytics platform but this will kind of help them to spread uh, more and more into the buy side. It's your foot in the door and a lot of these hedge funds and whatnot that maybe weren't open necessarily to a big vendor already had kind of their relationship established. Now, Numerics is able to get their foot in the door. Another interesting piece that O'Hanlon mentions about why kind of the TFG's platform stood out is that in this space, you know, in the kind of the platform, the work they're doing, a lot of them are run, you know, to to the bigger technologies he mentions are run by Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, and this is kind of this offering is able to kind of prove that it's kind of unbiased. There's no kind of concern there, so yeah. that's an interesting piece of this uh, of this deal as well. And then, you know, finally, the the last of these kind of this trio is Broadridge's acquisition of message automation, kind of really with the focus on- Yeah, this one's big time. We're a monster company going right. to go and pick off uh, a piece of, to add in a little bit of functionality into our massive uh, right. empire of uh, solutions. Well, yeah, that I mean, for this deal, really, this comes out to, um, for me, this is, you know, re- you wrote this story. There's also the uh, the acquisition of Foresight, the collateral management specialist, yep. and the derival- derivatives clearing solutions provider, uh, Dojima. Yep. Dojima. So really exactly what you have. You have Broadridge, massive company, wants to build this end-to-end platform, knows that, you know, especially I think we talk about the buy side. I think especially with these hedge funds, a lot of these firms that haven't had these regulations that now they're going to have to start, a, you know, being compliant with especially a lot of the MIFID 2 stuff they view it as i don't want to have to deal with all this stuff i don't have a big internal technology team i don't have to manage 15 different silos if you can give me one solution end to end that's what i want and with for broadridge that's we're gonna buy this because this is piece 6a that we need part of our end to end plug it right into it and then you know this is you know that's what that's 100 percent what this is yeah and i mean you it's this is very similar to the FactSec, BySAM, risk analytics space deal um, that I was saying before. Um, it's a big space. Uh, it, it's both a big space and a shrinking space. It's crowded and it's shrinking. Um, you know, whether you had uh, Abide Financial uh, got snapped up by Next Group, um, Univista, which is, you know, uh, backed by the London Stock Exchange Group, a uh, subsidiary of them. Um, and then you have other players like uh, Risk Focus and Sapien are coming out with a lot of different products. Um, there's probably going to be some, you know, added movement there. Um, as we go on MIFID 2, 
very specifically, and then the Securities Financing Transactions Regulation, SFTR, uh, much easier to say than the, the actual name. Um, that's just, it's just trying to say, come to us, we'll be able to handle all of this for you. You don't have to go to one of our competitors or pick up one of these pieces that are making a specialty product or whatever have you. So, I mean, that's that's what we're seeing with that one. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a hedge fund, you know, not a big one, maybe one under a billion dollars, I don't have a ton of money, right? I don't have a ton of, I have a ton of money, but I don't, well, relatively speaking, <laughs> for me, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a huge probably technology staff, not building a lot of proprietary systems when it comes to compliance. If I can hand off all this to someone established like Broadridge, you know, why not? I, I know that, you know, when I spoke to Broadridge, it was just about a year ago at Sifma Ops, they talked about how kind of, you know, uh, changing their image, kind of people view Broadridge as like the Oldsmobile of car manufacturers, kind of like, oh, this isn't, and kind of changing that from this isn't your father or your mother's uh, Broadridge, this is new, and this is kind of part of that offering this end-to-end -end solution, bringing on as many vendors as possible. Yeah. To kind of the opposite side of the coin now, the other type of acquisition, really just two kind of competitors head-to-head, -head, one. This is the Highlander one. This is, there can be only one. Yes. And so eventually, y'all battle it out in a space where there's no one there, and you hope to kind of, you know, just to be the one that, that's going to try and become the main route of market access. But. Yeah. So TrueMid's acquisition of Electronify, I mean, two platforms essentially do the same thing. I mean, they're corporate bond, electronic all trading all, platforms. Yeah, electronic trading, corporate bond platform. Uh, you know, they, uh, TrueMid acquired Electronify, deal supposed to close early Q2, terms of the deal were not disclosed. I had the chance to speak to Mike Sabell, the president of TrueMid earlier this week, uh, you know, and he basically said exactly that. This is... Uh, you know, a big thing was market share. He, there were kind of rumors. He, he, it's a small space, right? There aren't too many of these platforms around. All of them, he said, are, you know, pretty good communication with one another. Mm -hmm. And there were rumors that Electronify was trying to raise some capital. And then it went from raising capital to kind of different strategic options. And uh, Mike said that it was kind of an opportunity for them. They had a little bit more cash in hand where they kind of make a deal and make a move. And for them, it seemed like a good move. I asked Mike point blank kind of, in terms of implementations or from the platform's perspective, what parts of Electronify are we going to see in the Truman Market Center? Essentially, you know, he said there's some back-end stuff. Electronify, he said, made a lot of progress with the integration of OMSs, and they're going to kind of look to move on that. And certainly the sales team and the development team will be bolstered. Also, uh, Electronify's CEO, Amar Kuchinad, uh, will sit on Truman's management team. Uh, that right there, I think, is... To me, that's a very big deal. And look at this. So I've been covering the TrueMid Electronify and just this idea of trying to kind of unlock liquidity in the credit markets through these kind of platforms for a while. And, you know, over the past uh, four years or so, there's about a dozen, you know, that start populating the space, which is dominated by market access. Um, I find both these companies very interesting because I think that they're very technologically, very tech savvy. Like FactSet and Biosim, that's going to have ripple effects across our industry. That's a big, big deal. This is a very focused, targeted deal, but I think it's the most interesting of the two. Um, I think Amar is a very bright mind. Mike is too, obviously, with the way that they use, uh, the way TrueMid uses machine learning to try, and, to try and create predictability scores for users and stuff like that. That's all revolutionary kind of stuff, or potentially not revolutionary, but um, uh, important kind of stuff to, to win over market share. And I think that if you look at Electronify, they've been very, uh, shown themselves to be technologically savvy. I mean, um, 
you know, using JavaScript-based web technologies like Node and Meteor. Um, they've teamed up with OpenFin on HTML5 base uh, container to deliver information to a trader's desktop. And OpenFin, anybody that uses them knows that they're a very, very smart company, good company. So um, they have unique kind of alert systems, stuff like that. So I think Amar is a very bright person. I think that the technologies at Electrify are bright, but this space, there isn't enough out there yet. There isn't enough interest yet. So at some point, there's going to be a winner or loser. True Mid jumped out to the lead. You know, so it just it, it makes complete sense that Electronify now just kind of gets swept into them. And TrueMid will either keep on growing or somebody's going to go and snap up TrueMid. Right. You know, and that's the way it's going to work. Yeah. And Mike's definitely, you know, cognizant of the fact that, like we've talked about, market access is the leader in the clubhouse. You know, no one's, there's no denying that. He even said it to me. He said, obviously, he said, market, this is a quote, market access is the 100 pound grill in the space. There's no question. But after that, in all to all round lot trading, we think we're emerging as a winner in the space. We've seen material growth in volumes. We have 20 of the top 25 and more than 40 of the top 50 asset managers in the globe on the platform. We've got more than 60 broker dealers. We see significant participation from the majority of the users on the platform. So, you know, why not make a play, right? I mean, this is a this is a space where, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be dominated by one player. And, you know, people always love competition. And eventually people are going to grow tired of using the same, you know, usually we've seen that across the board. Maybe. Maybe. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. not. You know, maybe not. That's true. <laughs> That's true, too. I don't know. I always compare it with the, uh, you know, with what we've seen in uh, – in exchanges, right, in the exchange space where you kind of, they go up, you have a bunch of them kind of spread out, and there's consolidation, and then people get fed up, and then it goes up, and you have a lot more, so, I mean, maybe I mean, I'm this is going to be big, look at the regulatory landscape, because regulations are almost going to have to really help drive the the adoption of these platforms, I think, in many ways, and then just a need to find liquidity um, in what can be a difficult market at times. Um you know, for me, I think that companies like Truman, like that, as smart as they are and everything like that, they're they're in a tough environment. It's a tough game that you chose to get into. Yeah. This racket here, um, and market access is you know the big gorilla in the room, obviously they said, but um, it'll be interesting going forward. I think that there's a lot of intellectual heft behind this, and especially if Mark comes over, um, that that will be a very important component going forward. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this, I think, last week when this news first broke about how at the end of the day, it's one of those, you know, you see the electronification of everything, right? Electronic trading is obviously, yeah. you know, but it seems it's almost the one space where you could almost see the voice trading kind of holding on just because of kind of the, the way the deals are put together. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, so let's switch it, switch it up from now the merger stories to little uh, stuff from our friends over at IDM uh, regarding uh, data prices, because everybody loves talking about how much they have to pay for data feeds and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So uh, Burton and Taylor did uh, some research on data spend, and uh, apparently it's higher than anticipated. Um, this in 2016, it was $27.48 billion with a B. Might as well just say 20, uh, was it 27.5 billion? You know what I mean? Why four? I like to be exact. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough, I like to be enough. exact here, Anthony. Yep. Okay. So 27.48 billion, not 27.5. Don't get it twisted. Okay. Okay. It was an increase <laughs> of 3.45%, not 3.5%, 3.45%. And that kind of percentage, when you're talking about 3%, I understand that little difference there, but yeah. okay. Okay. So pricing, reference, and valuation data, uh, 
in regards to supporting risk and regulatory compliance purposes, which is a big part of why we've seen the increase, that grew at an average of 8.51, not 8.5, 8.51% mm-hmm, over the past five years. I mean, years. that one's just ridiculous. Just say 8.5 <laughs> on that one. Uh, you know, as you'd expect, Bloomberg had the largest share, 33.4%. Thomson Reuters came in second. It fell slightly from last year uh, from 24.24 to now 23.14%. Uh, after that was S&P Global Market, FactSet, the aforementioned FactSet Research Systems, and Interactive, Interactive David's Data's portion of uh, inter- Intercontinental Exchange's ICE Data you Services. That was a mouthful. It's a mouthful. It. <laughs> uh, figures on that were not made available. But so, Bloomberg's a leader in the clubhouse. I guess, you know, one thing that was mentioned in the story, Max Bowie, uh, editor over at IDEA, mentioned the story is that Despite a drop of 3,145 terminals, uh, there are 324,000 roughly plus, uh, plus terminals worldwide. Uh, there still was uh, it was offset by 10% growth in its non-terminal business. So Bloomberg kind of yeah. chugging along. It's, it's everybody makes everybody keeps on making do. We're gonna keep on talking. Trust me, this is a good sexy story. Bloomberg sure. terminals going away. Oh, that's a great story. Those get clicks, you know, and it is interesting. It is something you have to follow. It's not just, you know, putting up cat videos. Mm -hmm. I think there is actually (laughs) something interesting there. We could do that. As these companies, yeah, as TR and others are trying to chip away. Um, And then you see some of these other uh, kind of things. (coughs) Symphony. Um, And (laughs) so I think that it's definitely interesting, but that's only a point nine point. uh, It was a point nine six percent drop, I think it was, if we're going to keep it up. Yeah, Um, something like that. I think that the um, so Max Bowie wrote the story and he spoke with uh, Douglas Taylor, who's a managing director at uh, Burton Taylor uh, International Consulting. And I think that this was a big takeaway from it. I think you have a, di- a different thing. But um, for me, I thought this was interesting. So that said, while some vendors will need to be more creative about how they break down and price data sets individually outside of their shrinking terminal businesses, there is still one company that can charge $25,000 per year for a terminal, and that's a testament to the fact that so much of the market depends on Bloomberg that they become resi- uh, re- resistant oh. to changing for fear that they might miss uh, something that someone with a Bloomberg can see. And how do you break that? You don't break that by a change in difference. Uh, It's got to be more than that. And this is only the second time that they've, according to uh, a couple of media reports I read, this is only the second time that they've gone down um, in the history. In terms uh, of terminals? In in terminals sold. And uh, Bloomberg, uh, from what Max is saying, would debate whether or not they actually had gone down once previously. That that might have been fuzzy math or whatever. So... I know that there was another piece of it, though, that you thought was... Uh, no, no, no. Well, I think this is interesting because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, it it's the argument that we always have. We've talked many times on this podcast about Bloomberg and kind of the Bloomberg blow-up, you know, blowing up the terminal, getting in there. And at the end of the day, people, firms... At the end of the day, firms are conservative, right? They it's don't want like to miss out on innovating. something. I mean, they still pulled in. They had offset by 10% growth in non-terminal business. 10% growth in non-terminal business. They still pulled out $9 billion in revenue. They're going to still be innovating, and you're going to still want to use one of these things. I would love to get to use some of these things for a uh, news <laughs> gallery. Yeah. Uh, you know, something interesting was that, uh, you know, this is the story. This year's report represents the first time that estimates of industry spend have topped the $27 billion mark, right? So a lot of money's being spent on data. No, no surprise there. Uh, though Taylor says the 3.45% growth was a surprise. Based on other based on other research, Burton Taylor's mid survey mid year survey of industry sentiment last year 
revealed generally pessimistic expectations for full year for the full year with respondents expecting a decline in spend. So the industry, you know, while it seems everyone talks about data fees going up, more and more being expanded, the folks that are selling this weren't expecting it to go up this high. We're expecting a little bit of a down down year. So interesting stuff there, too. And I think I, I, I spoke with Max uh, just briefly before we came out here. Three other pieces to keep in mind um, that, that, that might be of interest to some folks out there. But uh, spend on fixed income data in the front office surpassed equities data spend. Um, demand for fixed income is growing and uh, data is more expensive than equities data because equities is commoditized, that's cheaper. Um, and spend on equities data just in general is declining because uh, traders are kind of spraying out into other asset classes. So fixed income data is seeing a nice little kick from that, um, which falls in line with what Greenwich Associates, uh, they recently had a report um, that said that fixed income trading desks increased their budgets by 3% in 2016 or 2015, and that the outlook for 2017 and beyond is quote unquote very favorable as they're spending on their OMSs, EMSs, and analytics platforms. So it's not just the data itself. Um, another good point was that uh, commodities and energy has been growing for the last few years, <clears throat> according to Burton Taylor, and it's overtaken data spend on FX data. Uh, that sector has been growing and fees on data ha have been going down in that space. Um, Platts and S&P Global, which is Platts is a, a sibling publication, I believe, of uh, S&P, have seen some big, big uh, growth rates, 11.1% uh, uh, five-year cager for Platts um, for firms, uh, which is huge. And then uh, S&P Global uh, grew by 22%, but that half of that came from their uh, acquisition of SNL Financial. And one other little piece, uh, spend on pricing and reference data has, sur has surpassed spend on research, and that's largely regulatory-driven, and that will only take greater effect uh, with, as uh, MIFID II comes into full force. Um, Agalos, uh, our colleague over in Europe, has written several stories on that, so you can go check out his stuff. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, before we no, go it's not. It's all data. No one cares about data. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying to be nice. Yeah. It's trying to be nice. <laughs> Uh, before we go, a couple non-fintech topics. Got the tournament, right? So today's Thursday. Saturday will be the Final Four. Mon Monday will be the National Championship game, I believe. I think so. I think it's that quick of a turnaround. Once UCLA got knocked out and I was knocked out of my bracket, I didn't care anymore. Womp, womp, womp. I'm still in the running. I'm still, still hunting. Uh, we also have the baseball season starting up. Tony's all super excited about his Astros. Uh, before we talk about that quickly, so Gonzaga, South Carolina, South Carolina being the Cinderella. And the other side of the bracket, you have UNC Oregon. What's I know you're not a big basketball guy, but uh, any takes, any per, any uh, perspective on the the two the two games? I mean, you or know, the run up when, to them in basketball, it's so much different because like we still call like Gonzaga and Wichita State mid majors. Look at how many millions of dollars they're spending on their yeah. basketball program. They're not exact. They're spending the same amount that you know Miami University spending on their basketball program. You know, it just in football, it's, they're not getting the money. So I don't necessarily consider mid majors, but what the heck? Let's have one of these schools finally, you know, take home. The, you know, because Butler came close, I think, a couple of years ago. Sure. Right? Yeah, rimmed out. Um, yeah, they played in two national championship games. I, I think it. Uh, it's interesting. Did you know? Also, there's a stat that a team from the West Coast hasn't won uh, the NCAA championship since like maybe the early '90s or late. UCLA 80s. hasn't won. Yeah, apparently. I I don't know the no, exact they won number. A couple in the '90s, certainly. Maybe it's the early 90s. I don't have the exact stat, but it's definitely the 90s. 
Okay. Maybe even the 80s, that the last time a team on the West Coast Well, has UCLA won. definitely won 90s, and you, yeah, yeah, so definitely that. But When did when did they win, though? We'd have to look at Here, you keep on going on with your social okay. stat here. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, Gonzaga's always kind of been the, oh, the, you know, like you said, the mid-major, and it kind of, but they've never kind of got over that hump, finally get to the Final Four, so good for them. Uh, South Carolina's just kind of a cool story. I like Frank Martin just because he's crazy, and, uh, you know, you always like to see the Cinderella's think you know from what the experts have said it's going to be a tough matchup for sc just because you know what is south carolina's strength it's their defense and gonzaga has fantastic defense as well so you have defense going against defense and also gonzaga has a pretty good offense i think a lot of people overlook gonzaga just because of the whole they're soft they play in a weak conference you know what they play one tough game in conference a year against they almost uh, lost Mary's. northwestern was it right not really not really? No. Okay. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think that it's – well, I guess, yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, I think Gonzaga actually gets all the way over the hump, gets the national championship. And then the other end of the bracket, um, you know, UNC, it's just after the run that they made in that Kentucky game, kind of to go up big, then to go down, you know, they get a three hit right in their face and just be able to turn around, go right down the court, and then – you know, hit a mid-range jumper was a great to kid. win the game. It I was, don't care for basketball, but that was fun. To yeah, it was, it's incredible. There seems like there's something about this team, a little bit something from layover from last year, like to lose in such heartbreaking fashion. I think they're going to win the whole thing. I just think they have the talent. Um, I think they're going to win the whole thing. By the way, 95 UCLA, 97 Arizona. Okay, so 97, though. That's 20 Been years. Been a while. It's 20 years. That's pretty wild. Two decades. Um yeah, so that's my – I would say my pick would be UNC over Gonzaga going chalk um, in the uh, in the finals. Baseball, what are your thoughts? We got opening day Sunday, right? Excited. I mean, this is the first year that the Astros, you know, I really think that their pitching staff holds up. I, I think that that team could be World Series – I mean, there's a lot of things that have to break Whoa. break for them. Whoa. Oh, World Series, yeah. Brand, yeah. I think that they're going to – they're the favorite to win AL West in most every single um, website. So – 538 has them winning the AOS, so they're going to probably finish in you know last place this year. Um, but yeah, so after that, yeah, I'm just excited to see. There's so many good, there's so much good young talent in baseball right now that it's really kind of fun to watch with Betts, uh, Mookie Betts, uh, Mike Trout, uh, Carlos Correa, uh, Bryant. You know, so many young kids. Noah Syndergaard. You know, there's this kind of changing of the guard, and so I think that you know, I'm we don't have to listen to the likes of you know your your Derek Jeters anymore, your A-Rod, stuff like that. Let's get on now with this next generation. So I think this will be the first time that we get to really take off. And I'll be interested to see if Chicago uh, can uh, can make it back or if they uh, got a little fat in the offseason. Yeah, I guess who's your who's the who's the favorite in the L? Would it be Boston or would it be Cleveland to go back? Or? Well, Boston was a big-time favorite. On price going down certainly True. affected that. Uh, Cleveland, I think. I'm not sure what the odds are. I don't know if I'm yeah. right. But you're basically at Boston, Cleveland, um, Texas, and Houston, um, all kind of in the running in there. Um, but there are others that you, know, you can certainly point at. And then the NL. What about Toronto? Toronto's in there, certainly. Um, but they, they lost. Actually, no, they lost. Um, they lost Encarnacion. I think they lost. I, th I don't think yeah. they're probably still up there. Um, so then you also have uh, Chicago in the NL, Washington. Um, the Mets, if the Mets. their pitching staff can stay healthy. <laughs> they won't. 
it um, won't. And Mark then the my Dodgers, words. Yeah. It won't. The the pitching staff that everyone's been talking about, how, oh, if Wheeler's healthy and if Harvey's healthy and if Syndergaard and, and Mats and uh, – and, um, and, uh, uh, and uh, DeGrom, if they're all healthy, it's going to be amazing. It's not. They're never all going to pitch together. It's going to be do. the best that never was. You know, it's gonna, they're going to make a 30 for 30 about the, t- the best pitching staff that never pitched healthy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be miserable. They'll probably make the playoffs again where they'll be the wild card. They'll play the one playing game, and then they'll lose, and, and that'll be the Mets. And, and then Harvey will go on to go play for the Yankees and get paid. I don't even know that and, hit. The, the 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 shine on that diamond has uh, crumbled significantly. Yeah, yeah. It seems you know. I mean, you look at the staff. I think you know. To be honest, Wheeler, I, I have I have no idea. I mean, everyone keeps talking about how good he's going to be, and I know he had some nice outings in spring ball, but I mean, he still needs to prove himself. Mats, I think, is just. I think Mats is mediocre. I mean, I know he's a local kid, so there's something cool to that. Agree. Um, but he's had some arm injuries already this year, so that's yeah. a little bit troubling. Yeah. Uh, I think the only guy that will be a lifelong Met would be Syndergaard. I think DeGrom will get paid and go wherever he wants to go. I think Harvey will get paid, you know, because someone will be stupid enough to kind of throw money at him. Uh, I think Syndergaard's the only one that really enjoys, truly enjoys, I mean, I don't know. I I can't say who truly enjoys, but it seems, it appears, like he really does love pitching in the city and being a Met, and he'll stick around for, he'll be a lifer. But everybody else, it'll all, they'll all break off, and like I said, they'll, they'll do a 30 for 30 you know, 10 years from now about the best pitching staff that never was. Yeah. And I'll cry in mm-hmm. my Cheerios as I watch. Yeah. That's the pro- – well, what a great note to uh, to end it on. Um, Sadness. It's jury day today. You know, yeah, jury day. Jury. It's Tuesday. So I don't know if by Thursday it will be nice weather, but right yeah. now it's <laughs> pretty crappy. Uh, I guess that's it. Nothing else worth talking about. Uh, Anthony, you have anything else to add? That's all I got. Well, that's all I got. Oh, we should mention uh, next week. Next week, yes. North American Trading Architecture Summit. Yes, uh, probably should have mentioned at the top of the show. Probably should have mentioned at the top of the show, <laughs> but here we are now, 33 minutes in, and uh, hopefully you're still listening. Please come, right? If you are still listening, that means you're an avid listener, so we'd love to meet you. So please come up, say hello to Anthony. If you're an end user, I, if you're an a bank, user, an asset manager, something like that, you get in for free. You're a vendor, give us your money and come, and then you can <laughs> then you can meet us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're sticking around for the Sell Side Technology Awards afterwards, definitely yep. come by and, and hang out and have some drinks, but there'll be drinks after the after Nadas as well for the yep. Nadas attendees. Yep. Um, but uh, like we've said in the past, you know, please come up, sh- hang out, talk to us, let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. Uh, we have a great uh, agenda. I will put the link yeah. in uh, the story. Lots of good stuff. Not uh, even so- just, you know, not just because our own thing. I think that this is one of the strongest ones that we've had, um, you know, in a long time that I've just seen in the end. I was very, very impressed. By yeah, this. really good top to yeah. bottom. Our producers we don't did a put great this together. Yeah, yeah, this our, is a, yeah, our conference producers did a great job. <laughs> we yeah, just we're not just to, bragging. We show up the day of and take the glory, basically. <laughs> yeah, but a uh, fantastic job by them. So definitely come and check out and say hello. But uh, that's it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, be sure to tune back in next Thursday.